hey guys, welcome to All Things Dorothy's Daughter. I am your host. My name is Nene. Um, this is my second podcast, and so I have a wonderful guest that's joining me today. Um, as I, if you guys recall from my first podcast, I talked a little bit about how on a monthly cadence I want to have um, certain discussion points, and I'll have different guests on. And this month, I am attempting to talk about love and loss, so we will see how that goes. But I am very excited. I have a longtime friend of mine on the phone with me, and this is Mr. Kelly. I'll always call him Kel. Um, Kelly and I have known each other for such a long time. But before we get into love and loss, I think it's so important because Kelly does so many things for the community, so many things for so many kids. And um, But he's on the board of the Sickle Cell Foundation in Southern California. So I would love for him to talk a little bit about the walkathon that's happening this weekend. And, you know, as the podcast gets bigger, hopefully we can get more sponsors to help out the Sickle Cell Foundation. So welcome, Kelly, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. I definitely appreciate the invite, and I'm yep. glad to join you. Um, yeah, you're my first guest. Yes. But first, hey. talk, talk a little bit about sickle cells, because I, I want the people to know what you do and how okay. you can help these kids. Well, um, I've, I myself have been volunteering for the Sickle Cell Disease Foundation of California for about 22 years now. Um, I actually started off as a camp counselor with the foundation, and uh, the camp that we have, we actually take uh, – about 100 youth with sickle cell, ages 7 to 14, to a week-long camp, overnight camp. Um, some, some of these kids, it's their first time away from home. For some of the parents, it's their first time letting their kids be away from home. Um, it's a fully staffed, uh, volunteer-staffed camp in which we also have medical staff, nurses, and doctors as well. Um, everybody donates their time for the entire week to make sure that these kids have a good time. Uh, we provide, again, full medical care. The kids are provided with their medication, three meals a day plus snacks. Uh, and various activities in which are definitely catered to the kids. We try to make sure that the activities are unique to each year, so nothing is ever really the same. Uh, we have different programs like computer programming. We have sickle cell education to teach them about their disease um, as well. And in addition to that, we also have a teen group uh, that has recently started over the past two years um, that meets once a month, and that's for those children who have actually graduated from our CAMP program. Uh, with that being said, we have uh, – let me back up. I'm also uh, the board chair for the Sickle Cell Foundation um, as of recently, as of this year. I've been on the board for about two or three years now, but now I am the board chair. Um, we have a walkathon coming up, which the funds go to support the foundation and the work that is doing, as well as Camp Crescent Moon, which is a camp for kids with sickle cell. Uh, the walk is actually going to be Saturday. Um, it start, registration starts at 2 p.m. and opening ceremonies at 3 p.m. It's at Tomesco Gateway Park. That's 15601 Sunset Boulevard in Pacific Palisades. Again, Temesco Gateway Park, 15601 Sunset Boulevard, Pacific Palisades, California. Um, if you have any more questions, you can also go to our website at scdfc.org. Again, that's scdfc.org. Okay. Um, but, again, thank you for letting me talk about the Sickle Cell Foundation. And what's our topic for today? Yeah, thank you, Kelly, for that. So, good guys, go to um, F as in Sam, C as in Cat, D as in Dog, F as in Frank, C as in Cat dot org, so you can learn more about and and help donate. So, I think it's such a great cause. So, thank you for that, Kelly, because I think it's important that we all continue to give back and try to find ways to to help. And I know that the foundation needs the support. So, thank you. 
our conversation today, now we're about to get really real here um, about, and we've never had like a structured conversation, so this is going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> we always go off on all these tangents. But we'll see how we do. Let's see how we do today. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about love and loss. And I know that we've all had love and loss in our lifetime. And I don't mean loss by not only, you know, losing a spouse or a parent or a child or a friend, but sometimes, you know, as, as speaking as a woman, women lose themselves. And so that's a loss, I think, as well. But I first want to start out with love. You know, so I'll, I'll first say you've been in love before, right? I know I've been yeah. a part of it. Look, I've been a part yeah. of that situation, but um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the questions that I want to know, though, this is going to be kind of weird. Um, would you rather have extraordinary love that doesn't last forever, or would you rather have ordinary love that does? I think ordinary love that lasts forever is definitely a preference. Oh, why is that? Um. It, because I think ordinary love is it let me back up extraordinary love can be like you said short term meaning that you know you're going to do everything you can to make sure that person is happy make sure that you guys stay in love but I think a lot of times extraordinary love can be clouded um by the idea of being in love at that moment and what love is supposed to look like and what you think love is so I think that extraordinary love it's again. It's almost like that that instant gratification that some of us get when we go shopping. Like we want something right then and there, versus when we actually think out the process of what am I going to wear this with? What, why would I buy this? So I think that would be the difference between extraordinary love and ordinary love. Um, ordinary love is something that's going to help you sustain. And I think most healthy marriages that I've seen, and relationships, not just marriages, friendships, um, I think they thrive off of ordinary love versus extraordinary love. Well, you said something. You said um. You know, like love, love in the moment. I wish I would have wrote it down. Now I've got my pen. But I always think of when people say ordinary love, right? That's actually a good way to place it. It's like I think we have this false sense of what love should be, right? Like the the Cosby Show, and I'm gonna say the Cosby Show because that's what I grew up watching. No matter how people feel about Bill Cosby, I did watch <laughs> the Cosby Show growing up, um, right. or the Brady Bunch, right? Um, right. People watch, or actually, we can even look at social media right now, and we look at celebrities, and, and you know, people say hashtag goals, right? But they don't truly know what those people are going through. And, I mean, I've been married for, it'll be 19 years, which I keep saying it, because I can't believe I, I'm, only, I'm, I'm only 20, how could I have been married so long? But <laughs> 19 years, and I think I originally looked for that extraordinary love. Um, and it leads people wrong, in my opinion. It sounds like I can yours as well. I can I can definitely agree with that. I think um, I think extraordinary I think ordinary love leaves room for you to love yourself also, whereas extraordinary love doesn't leave much room for you to love yourself. It's almost like you don't have time to love yourself because you're so focused on the extraordinary love of the relationship or making sure the other person is so deeply in love with you that I think you lose yourself. One of the things I know we've talked about before in the past is that you know loving yourself has to be at the forefront of any kind of relationship versus be it with family, friends, and a, a, you know, relationship with a spouse or anyone. I think loving yourself has to come first. Some people may look at it as selfish and I'm not talking about, you know, loathing over yourself and saying, Oh, I'm the best person in the world. No, I mean, just having love for yourself because I think when you have love for yourself, it allows you to love others appropriately. 
what I mean by that is when you love others appropriately, you're loving others but not at the expense of yourself. I think a lot of times we, we try to love people to the point where we forget ourselves, like you said, but we also forget our self-worth. So we allow ourselves, while we think we're in love with someone, we allow ourselves to allow those people or that person to mistreat us. And then at that point, you're no longer loving yourself, but you're so focused on loving that person. And, again, I say that goes for relationships with family and everyone. It's like I'm, I'm a giver, so I like to give. I like to do for people a lot. Um, but at the same time, I've had to learn that I can only give so much of myself, and if I don't continue to give all of myself, it doesn't mean I love a person any less. It just means that I've chosen to make sure that I'm okay also. Yeah, that's a, actually that's a great point because you, you think about family and how much we give to people, and I was looking up the, the definition of love, which it should be simplistic, right? But like the Western Dictionary says, it's an intense feeling of deep affection. So I have issues when people say, oh, I love you. I'm like, well, for one, you don't really know me. How can you love me? Because if you think an intense feeling of deep affection, uh-huh. there's this because people want to say, oh, I love you because they love God, or which that's totally different. That's a whole other subject. But an intense feeling of deep affection, I, and I think about it with friends, husband, family, whoever, I'm like, okay, well, you don't really love me because you're not showing me that you love me, or people will say, I am showing you that I love you, but I never tell you that I love you. And I, I'm still, I think I'm struggling with that because I think I need you to show me and tell me so that it balances them both out. Does that make sense? It, it does. But I think we also discussed before how, you know, again, well, we talked about the love languages and how people, you know, express or show love very differently. So while you're, that may be your love language, your need is for people to show you and tell you at the same time. But it's interesting because I think a lot of times we get lost in the idea of love um, versus, you know, what love, like you said, what love actually is. So mm-hmm. there are people out there who love us, like family and friends, and the ones who love us the most are not always going to be the ones who tell you everything you want to hear or yep. do everything for you that you want them to do. They're going to be the ones who are actually going to have those hard conversations, those crucial conversations with you to say, you know what, I love you enough to tell you. This is not good for you. I love you enough to tell you that you're going down the wrong path. I love you enough to let you know that, you know what, this just isn't right for you. And I love you enough to tell you that. Some people, they say they love you, but they love you. They love the idea of you. They love the idea yep. of you being around. So what they're going to do is they're going to tell you everything you need and want to hear to keep you around because they love the idea of you being around. And then, uh, You just hit two things that make, me, make my stomach, not make my stomach hurt, but reminded me because when I um, – like when you said tell everything you want to hear, or you, they should tell you what you're doing wrong, and they should be your mirror, right? And uh-huh. I had that with, with my husband, and it was painful for me. I am not going to lie. Like, he would tell me things. I would get mad. I'd be like, you don't love me if you're going to tell me. You know, one time I remember, he'll, I'll never forget, he said, your daughters, when my girls were little, your daughters are watching everything that you do, so you shouldn't do this. And I was like, forget you, this, that, that, even though it sounds like a small thing, but what I was doing was going to be a bad reflection on the kids. And, but I got angry. But he is the only, he's the person that would tell me the truth. But that was painful for me, and I wanted to fight him. Not literally right. physically, but I wanted to right. fight because I'm like, you shouldn't be telling me that because he hurt my feelings, right? And I right. would be like, you don't love me. Because in my opinion at that time, because I was in it, he was telling me something that I know is right, 
but I didn't want to hear it. Exactly. And you touched on another part, you know, our feelings. I know we've talked in the past about that too. A lot of times we have to remove our feelings from situations to be able to, to clear our vision, to actually get an idea of, you know, I think at the time, had you been able to have better control of your feelings or remove your feelings from the situation, you would have seen he loves me to the point where he wants to make sure that I'm able to give my daughters or our daughters what they need moving forward. And Don't I think telling me you, I got to control my feelings, Kelly. Right. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, but that's, hey, that's something that you told me a long time ago. Like, you know, we've had to, and I've had to learn that too. You know, once you step, once you remove your feelings from a lot of situations, it allows yep. you to see things more clearly, but it also allows you to be more objective to situations and, and actually more open to what people have to say. You know, we we focus so much on, and, you know, it, it is something that they, it, it's a saying where they say um, people, you know, may forget what you say and they do, forget what they you never, say. Uh-huh. They never forget, they never how, you forget how you feel. made them feel. But I think, I mean, and that's a true statement, but at the same time, I think if people learn how to to adapt or adjust their feelings or how to be in tune with their feelings, a person can make you feel a certain way, but the way they make you feel doesn't always have to be bad. So, you, yeah. know, he, he, you know, with him saying that, he could have made, at that time, he could have made you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not a good person. But at the, also at the same time, if you were where you are now, the feeling would have been, I feel even more love than I felt before because I know yep. that he wants right for me and my girls. So yep. the feeling, you know, the feelings are still there, but they could be different. And even at work, I do, when, you know, and outside of love, of course, I'm not talking love at work, but I always, when my people come tell me, well, I felt or I feel, I said, let me stop you right there. Let's remove your feelings. And again, I, I, I want to make sure our audience understands, we know that people, we are a bunch of feelings, period. We're human. We get it. But when you are feeling a certain type of way, you have to stop yourself and say, is that just something that I'm feeling, and why is it triggering me? Why is it making me feel this way? Because this person's intention, when we're talking about this one, my husband's intention was to make me better and not get caught up in my feelings. Yeah. Something else you said, too, that I'm going to piggyback on and talk about a little is um, people love the idea of, who you are. They don't love you, but they love the idea of you. Um, gosh, that's, that's kind of, that really kind of hit home for me because I, I think that people that I deal with or interact with sometimes, um, I get the sense that they do like the idea of me, but I don't, I'm not sure they really love me. And it, right. it's kind of, um, it, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking, I guess is a good way because um, as I'm, as I'm having to realize that, that's kind of painful, right? right. And, and so it's gonna that lead, it's gonna lead me to a loss of some of these people that I've been around, either if it's been a long time or a short time. But they like the idea of me, and and that just that weighs heavy on me because it takes so much out of me. Right. You have some examples of that for you as well. Um, I wouldn't say personally for me. I mean, I'm sure there are some people like that, but I, I guess the biggest example I could give, or the biggest way I could say this, is that. You know, there are people who are who like the idea of being around people who are successful, not because they thrive, to, they, not because they're happy for you, but because they envy you. They envy what you have, and they want to have what you have, and they feel like if I'm around you, then I can have what I have. But then what you'll realize is those same people, once they get to that point, they'll walk away from you, and they won't turn back. Like let's say you get to a point where you may need them for something. They're no longer there once they find out that you don't have what it is they want anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be success, whether it be money, whether it be fashion, whether it be the nice car, you know, you, this could be the same person is that when you were driving a Bentley, 
you know, they were all for, oh, yeah, let's go to the mall. Let's go to the store. I'll go anywhere. Let's just go to the movies. But then all of a sudden your Bentley's in the shop and now you're driving a rental car that's like a Hyundai or something lower, you know, quote, unquote, lower end. Then all of a sudden that person's nowhere to be found. Right. You know, and, and those people, you know, there, there's a lot of them out there. But, you know, the ones that, you know, truly love you and, and, you know, love what you have to offer as a person are the ones that are going to take the good and the bad from you. You know, uh, and there are very few out there like that. Yeah. I, sometimes, you know, I've asked a few um, friends before for people or family, um, you know, kind of going back to that, telling me what I want to hear, um, why they won't tell me certain things or why do they feel uncomfortable saying certain things to me. And, you know, a couple of reactions I've gotten before is, well, you know, I'm afraid that you won't talk to me or I'm afraid you're going to get upset. To me, that doesn't show me that you love me, right? Mm -hmm. You're okay with me floundering around looking like a dumbass fish out of water, right, when I'm all screwed up, but you have to tell me, you know, and I think that to your point, people who love you, with they'll tell you with grace you know, and give you grace and mercy, but they're going to tell you what you need to do, right, in a relationship or friendships or whatever that is, at least in there if, if you ask them. Don't, right. you know, at least if you ask the question. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, completely, I completely agree with that. And I think, like you said, you brought up a good point. The bottom line is the reason they're doing it is because they don't want to lose Again, what they had, they like the idea of being around you. They're like, oh, my goodness, I might lose this person. And I think so many so many times we're afraid to, to lose things. And I think with that being said, I think loss is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, um, to, what is the, what's the phrase, you know, to have, to have loved and have lost, to have learned or something like that. But the bottom line is, you know, it's okay to lose things sometimes because not everything is meant for you. But you may not realize it at that time. You may not realize until you lose something or someone that it wasn't meant for you. And it takes yeah. losing it for you to appreciate, you know, what you currently have even more. Yeah, and I think that's why I wanted to put the two together, right, love and loss, because I think without – there's no, there's not one without the other. If you no. are vulnerable and you are loved – if you're loving someone or loving something or some person, um, there's going to be a loss. So whether that's – maybe they don't lose their life, but maybe you lose the friendship or maybe you lose the trust. Or maybe you lose yourself, right? Because I think in some relationships, I can speak from a female perspective. Um, I, when I was younger, I don't see this happening as frequently now, but when a woman gets a man or a boyfriend, she's gone. You, you don't see her, she don't see her friends. She don't text them back. She just all booed up, you right. know. And then this dude then threw her, threw her to the curb, and now she want to come back, but her friends aren't there. Right. And it's it's insane to sit there and watch and like, wow, you know, and I'll hear young women say, man, she got a man now. She don't want to be, she don't see me. But right. how how are they supposed to balance both when you're trying to get to know someone as a young person? You're younger than me, but trying to get to know someone as a young person and then keeping your friendships, right? Because you're busy right now. You have your son mm -hmm. and you have your the Sickle Cell Foundation and you are, you take pictures. You do a lot of stuff. How do, you, right. how do you try to find, and, and this is probably a loaded question, how do you find love if you're looking for it with all the things that you're doing? Um, at the moment, I'm not really looking for it, but I think <laughs> I will find it soon. But I've learned that, you know, once you look too hard for something, it's that you start to force yourself to deal with things that you probably shouldn't have to deal with. So that's why I could say I kind of stopped looking that hard for it. Um, I think that it can be balanced. And I think one of part of that balance is when you are with someone who loves you and you love, 
they will start to incorporate some of the things that you do in their life as also and vice versa. You know, so so some of those people who are not toxic people, who are good people, they will start to mesh, you know, with you and your friends and family and things like that. Like, you know, I have a few, a decent amount of female friends and male friends, but one of the things that we've always told each other is that when we get in a relationship, that person that we're with will know who our friends are. So that there's yep. no question about this person being around or not being around. And I think so many people these days are insecure about the idea of their their wife or husband having a platonic relationship with someone, you know, you know, you know, with someone of the opposite sex. But it's like that person was around before you. Do you not expect them to be around during you, possibly after you? Um, I just think as long as that person can be incorporated in the friendship, in, in the relationship, I think it's okay. Um, I don't see anything wrong with that. So I, I say that to say that you can you can find love and still be able to manage the other things. But, again, just you don't want to lose yourself because of what I found and what happens is, I never want to be with anybody. And once I start to see this, it kind of makes me step back. I don't want anybody who drops everything they're doing because all of a sudden they're with me. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, if you if you have one of those ordinary loves and ordinary relationships and you want it to sustain, there is no way on God's green earth, you know, that you and your husband have survived 19 years because you guys have been in each other's faces for 19 years. Right. You guys will be yep. at each other's throats. You guys had to have your own lives. You had to do your own thing so that when you are together, you appreciate that time that much more. Um, so I never want anybody who's going to drop everything they're doing, you know, just to be with me because I'm not going to drop everything I'm doing. There's no way I'll drop the foundation and working with the kids. There's no way I'll drop my friends. There's no way I'll drop my son. There's no way I'll drop my family, you know, and no way I'll drop doing photography. I'm not going to drop all of that just for a person. Yep. Yep. And just you know, so you know, think about too, you could put that into, you could do, you can actually encapsulate that statement into work, into friendships. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, to your point, you and I have been friends now, holy moly, 10, For about 15, 15, 14, 15, 15 years, like yeah. a long time. Um, and to your point, though, you talk to my husband, he calls, you guys talk to each other without me. Like, right. you know, you're now, you're part of the family. So it makes it, to that, to your point, I don't. I used to be a jealous little heifer. I ain't gonna even lie. I'd be like, "Who is that bitch? Who is she?" And I'm sorry, right. it's the B word, but that's exactly what <laughs> my husband will say. I don't call him. He's like, "Why you gotta call that person a bitch?" I'm like, "Cause she is. Who is she?" That was some childish stuff that I did, like right. being all shady and you know. So, but that was my own insecurities of me, which will transition into our conversation about loss. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who I was, right? right. So I was so insecure that I was so busy looking at him, wondering what he's doing, you know, saying, it's okay, I can have you as a friend, Kelly, but he can't have nobody as no friend. What what sense does that make, right? (laughs) Right. But that was my insecurities. That was me not loving myself first um, and me searching for that extraordinary love with him versus the love that's going to sustain, right, Without with with the bumps and the bruises Um, because a lot of women lose themselves. and a lot of men do too when they get in a relationship. Yeah, because then at that point what ends up happening is if for whatever reason the relationship has to end, you get to a point where you resent the person that you are with because you blame them for you losing yourself. And it's not their fault. You did that to yourself. You allowed yourself to get lost in that relationship to the point where once you're out of that relationship, you're like, well, what else do I have to live for? Or what else do I do with my life? Well, that was your fault. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't blame yep. anybody for that because at that point, at some point, like you said, you lost yourself in that situation. And like I said, with anything, we don't. A lot of times, unfortunately, as human beings and as people, we don't really appreciate the things we have until we lose it. And that goes for even loss in the family, a family member. You know, both of us have lost our mothers. I've always appreciated my mother. I love my mother to death. But losing her allowed and, and watching her live life towards the end allowed me to better appreciate life and some of the things that I do still have mm-hmm. um, because I realized that, you know, she loved life and even though she knew that things weren't going well for her, that she was living life to the fullest, no matter what. And actually losing her made me realize, you know, life is too short, you know, to, to let some things bother you or to actually put up with certain things or to deal with certain things or to stress over certain things. You know, there's certain things that are beyond your control. Um, yep. And I think at some point, you know, once you lose something, you start to appreciate other things more. And it's one, I think the closest example I can give for that, and it kind of correlates, it, it may seem like it's all, but for example, somebody who has no sight, who, who can't see, who's blind, they lost their sight or, or they never had it. You know, they always tell you that all of their other senses are enhanced. So they're able to appreciate right. everything else more because of what they don't have. And I think if we just kind of relate that to some of the other things in our life, you know, you appreciate the things you do have and stop worrying about the things you don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can't, you, can't, you can't go, you know, I was, I'm like, you got to control the controllables. I literally have said that. So long. I say it at work. I say it all the time. You know, when I when I thought when I lost my mother, um, as I had mentioned, um, almost six years ago, man, it still it sucks. Yeah. You know, I I'll tell everybody. I, I, and I didn't. I knew my mother was sick, and you and I have had this conversation. But she'd been sick for quite some time, in and out of hospitals, and I knew it was inevitable that was going to happen. But my heart still hurts, and that makes me understand though how strong our bodies are, our hearts are strong because I know mine is broken. And I'm, again, everyone, you know, you know, there's loss, but like you, I was like, man, what I knew, what I know is that I want to live. I want to know what people are going to say at my funeral. And my mother, you know, people say great things about her. And I learned that life is short and you can't be angry. You can't be mad at people. You know, I can't go to sleep angry. I I try to remind myself of that, but loss is inevitable. And it freaking sucks. Yeah. It it does. But it does suck. I think too losing a person or a parent, at least in my that's that's all I've experienced and that was actually my first loss. When my when I lost my mother, I was like, Lord, why did you have to make her the first one? Not a Nazi, not an uncle, not a, not that I'm praying that they die, but I'm just right. saying, why did it have to be my mother first? Right. You know. Uh-huh. Um but thinking about when reflecting on her and, and my past and how I, I I used to think that I lost that little girl, right, that I used to be. You know, all of us had that little person inside of us, but I lost that little person. I didn't really know who I was. I had to figure out. Um, I had to have all these friendships. Um, but over the years, I've had to lose a lot of things to come into who I am now, right, letting go of those things. So like you said earlier, the loss was good for me, and some, not my mother's loss, but it taught me so many things. It taught me to reflect more. It taught me that in an instant, I can't, I may not be here again. So am I truly being my best self for mm-hmm. everyone around me? And am, am I adding value to others' lives? And that's the ultimate question for me is what will people say at my funeral? It, that makes complete sense. And it also, you know, like I said, it allows you to, it allows you to be able to help others, you know, and it, and it, you know, just, it definitely allows you to help others through processes and things like that as well. 
um, the loss of uh, the loss of relationship. You know, losing relationships. Some people feel like every relationship or something has to be like once you lose that person, they're like you have to stop dealing with that person completely. Now, now don't get me wrong. If it was a very abusive situation and things like that, I get it. But you know, a loss in a relationship, depending on how, if you guys, if it's if it's mutual loss or even if it's one-sided, you know, you realize that, you know, the things weren't okay for you and that person. You know, sometimes you can thank people. You know what? I thank you for, for leaving me. I thank you for ending the relationship because at the end of the day, it took that person to say, you know what, this isn't good for us because you don't have Some people listening to you say that right now, they're like, girl, women, boy, bye. They're like, they're like I ain't going to be his friend. And it, there, you're right, and there's a lot of people like that, and I, and I get it to an extent that the person really hurts you, um, but at the end of the day, sometimes you should be thankful for that person because that person allowed you to pu- – they pulled you out of a situation that you might not have pulled yourself out of. There were things you might have been putting up with that you probably shouldn't have been putting up with. You know, it's not, and then again, it's not even always on the other person. Sometimes you can get out of a situation because of things that you were doing, and you may not realize you were doing those things until the person leaves you. Like, wow, the things I was doing were really that bad that they had to leave me. And it allows you to fix yourself, and that's part of self-love. Self-love is about also correcting your own behaviors and your own things. But it's sometimes, like you said, it takes that mirror of a person, whether they stay with you or leave you, that you know, to, to, for you to, to realize, to, for you to realize what you need to change about yourself. You know, and a lot of times you're not able to see that with the person that's in a relationship with you. You know, sometimes, you know, it takes that person walking away, you know, and because they love you enough to walk away, you know, to step away from, you know, we've said it all the time. Some some people just have to love from a distance. You know, you can always do the best for a person. You can love a person, you know, for who they are, you know, and, and, you know, because they're family with some of them, you have to love for a distance, from a distance because you realize they're not good for your environment. They're not, they're toxic for you. You know, but at the same time, you, you may not lose love for that person. You can still do certain things for that person and be there for that person, but there are certain things you just don't do. Yeah, that goes back to what you said. You know, someone, they love the idea, right? And, and I think social media, in my opinion, um, you, you know, my dad is 82, 83. He said, he, years ago, he said the Internet's the devil. That's a whole other story. But social media portrays relationships and friendships and work life um, as this perfect picture of, of, of as this perfect picture of you know the Brady Bunch or the Cosby show but people don't and you and I have conversations all the time so this isn't like us our conversation right now literally is like a conversation we have all the time so sure. this this isn't for this isn't for play but right. I don't know how many people have conversations like we have you know with their friends or with even others that aren't their friends. Right. So I agree. It's it's interesting. Um, how what, my last question for you though, how has and I know it was I mean you're a single dad and you you know, you had that you tried you tried the relationship. How has the the loss of that relationship changed your life? Well, you know, that one was a rough one. <laughs> yeah. And we don't um, talk bad about her at all because that's your No, 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 no. It was, it was rough because of a lot of things I went through with that situation. Again, it taught me things about myself, um, what I am looking for, what I'm not looking for, what I will put up with, what I won't put up with. It also taught me things about, you know, things I probably should change about myself or the way I view certain things. It also taught me um, – a better per, a better appreciation for other people's processes and realizing that in some instances I may not need to be a part of that process. 
whether it be the mm-hmm. growing process or whatever, it may take me not being a part of that process for that person to be able to go through that process. Um, it allowed me, I definitely, you know, love my son, you know, more than anything, as you know, and most people who know me know. Um, so it allows me to focus on him. But, I mean, I look at the – it's one of those things where some people say, well, you know, would you do it again if you had to? If it meant having my son, of course. You know, I, there's no reason I, I wouldn't, you know, because we all go through something. Um, you know, I don't wish bad on anybody or bad relationships or bad situations. We all go through something. But I think it has allowed me to grow um, as an individual, as a man, and, and being in a situation like that. It has actually allowed me to help other people, you know, through situations and help them look at things a certain way, um, you know, and not to take something so personal. You know, certain things I realized that it just wasn't about me. You know, I think a lot of times we're, we're selfish to the point where we always feel like everything is about us. You know, and in some situations, some people's processes have nothing to do with us. And I think that the, fast, the sooner we learn that, I think the better off we'll be and stop taking something so personal. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I, I still get caught up in taking things personal. Oh, I do too sometimes. Don't get me wrong. It's a process. I mean, it's definitely a process, but I think as you continue to go through things, you will learn to do better about it. But I'm not – don't get me wrong. Life happens, and, you know, it's all different types of circumstances that you may not think of. Or You know, every every experience can be a new experience. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Man, anything else, Kelly, you want to share about love and loss? I think I've covered my questions. Uh no, I think I think you know based on your question and I think we covered. I'm sure you know we could probably get into deeper conversation, more specific. But I think I would just leave people with the idea of don't forget to love yourself first before you try to love anyone else. Because if you can't love yourself first, there's no way you have room to love anybody else. It's just not possible. Yep. And and I'll add to that, loss is inevitable, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. you know I I'll I'll throw in the the caveat: we are not therapists. You are definitely ear hustling on our conversation <laughs> right. um, and our experiences. You know, I think everyone has experiences, and I, I think as you look at others and talk to other people, understand their experiences because they may have something to share with you. And be vulnerable, be open, and you know, sometimes don't look at social media as oh my god, their life is better than mine or whatever, whatever. You know, figure out how you can make your life better. Um, I'm always about trying to improve. I'm not perfect. I never will be. I don't act like I, I hope I don't pretend that I am. Um, but I am, I am perfect at trying to be better. That's the only thing I'm perfect at is trying to be better because I'll never be great. I'll never be, I mean, I will be great, but not perfect. So I thank you, Kelly, for joining me. Guys, people don't remember, please remember to go to SC, SC as in candy, D fc.org so you can help donate um for these children that that really need it from the sickle cell foundation and kelly i appreciate your time hopefully not hopefully i keep saying i gotta stop saying hopefully um hope isn't a strategy but um every tuesday and thursday join me on all things dorothy's daughter and i'm so happy thank you kelly for being my first guest i appreciate it you you. did a fantastic job wonderful Thank thank you so thank you so much and um Everyone else, go out there and make it a great day. Until next time, bye. Bye.